0: one of the things that I'm, I'm responsible for is my fruits of the Spirit. And it, nobody can take your joy. You freely give it away. Nobody can take your love or anything. Nobody can prevent anything inside of you. That's you between you and the Lord, you know? And the problem, Brian and I, Brian Connolly, began to, like, there was a time when we used to complain about our wives. Do you know what I mean? And uh, we'd say, you know what really bugs me? And we would actually, like, listen to each other Instead of saying, are you kidding me right now? That shouldn't bug you. If you were closer to God, that wouldn't bug you one bit. Instead of saying that, we were like, oh, I can't believe that. That's, that's so bogus of her." You know what I mean? But we didn't realize that we were responsible for our fruits of the Spirit. You know, as soon as we got that, like, I wouldn't dare complain to another person ever again for anything. Like, that's the surefire way to tell you that I haven't been praying, you know? So I don't, I don't do it, you know? And if I do want to, I say to myself, you, "How's your prayer life doing?" You know. So yeah, I was going to say. So if I call you, Adam, and I'm having a horrible day, mm-hmm. you're probably not going to end up being the guy that I call again. Yeah. I'm <laughs> exactly. Gonna exactly. You know what I'm yeah. Yeah. You're not so, gonna get you so your life's getting better all the time because people who are having a horrible day are going to be like, "I better adjust my attitude before I call Adam." Yeah. Nobody calls me anymore. <laughs> and I'm serious. Like I haven't gotten a call in a long time, because. I, they, the first question I ask them is, how's your prayer life? See? You know, and they'll say, not good. And I'll say, I know. I can tell. You're calling me, you know, but I, and I, and this is amazing. I've, I've had people, I've never, I'll say, like, people will come and say, how, how are you doing? I'm doing terrible. How's your prayer life? Terrible. It's never like great. It's always how, the, how you're doing is how your prayer life is going. You know, And it took me a long time to learn that lesson. I'm just not going to learn it again. Take, take five minutes to tell us about your um, So this is my prayer life typically. I'll wake up and I will, um, I'm in the habit of jumping in the shower quick because I'm pretty groggy. So I'll jump in the shower quick, uh, get dressed. A particular time or just random? No, I, I'm, I'm up at 5.50 is when I get up. And that's when I set my alarm. And then I'll go downstairs, and it'll be about 6.05. And that's what time the kids aren't up at 6.05. They're not up. They're not up. And now they're old enough. They don't need me. Like, they're not going to kill themselves. And that was annoying, that to be that young, that you actually had to, like, be concerned about their safety, you know? Um, that they'll pull the toaster down on their head, you know, or the television that's in there. And... Um, so then I'll go downstairs into my basement, and there's a, a spot where I like to pray, and my Bible's down there. And the, the one thing that, I, that I'll typically do in my prayer time, I will spend a minimum of a half hour in prayer. And I used to not be able to pray for a half hour. And maybe you guys pray longer than that. But it's a minimum of a half hour. Okay, I don't like to leave. I don't like, to be, I don't like it to be less than that. Um, and the one thing that I'll do is I'll turn on some music. It won't have any words. It's just background noise. And I'll begin to thank him, and, and typically what I thank him for, and I'm, I'm pretty repetitive at this because I don't think we can get away from the basics, is that I'm not going to hell, right? And I'll, I'll sit on that, like I'll, I'm starting to tear up now talking about it. I can't believe that I'm not going to hell. Like that's amazing, because that's what I'm owed. I'm owed hell, and I'm not going there. And I'll just sit on that till that becomes actually like big in my heart. And then I'll, and then I'm like, not only am I not going to hell. But um, I'm forgiven right now. It's like, so do you know this stuff? Oh, okay. <laughs> And then, uh... And then I don't see how people get to where they don't want to do this. Yeah. Because it's so life-giving. Well, for a, for a while, I didn't know that I could do it. I didn't know how to do it, you know? Yeah, I agree so, then, so then, I'll, then, I'll, then I'll sit there and, and thank him for his forgiveness and, and I'll let the Holy Spirit convict me if there's anything he needs to convict me about. Then I thank him that I'm going to go to heaven. And then I'll remind myself, and I'm saying this stuff out loud because there used to be a time where I would just say it in my mind, but my heart needs to hear it, because faith comes by hearing. So by saying it out loud, I'm actually building it back into myself. And I'll say, Father, thank you so much that like, I'm going to go to heaven. And I'm not just going to be in some distant cabin from you. I'm going to be on your Father's house, and I'm going to be close to you. The reason I'm going to be close to you is because you actually want to see me every day. And you want to see me often and daily. And so I just want to thank you that you care that much about me. And I can't believe, Jesus Christ, that you died for me, that you paid that kind of price and that you actually thought I was worth dying for, and that you would go that far to have me get close to you. And then on top of that, you actually sent the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I want to thank you for being a part of my life. You've been so patient for me. It's taken me so long to actually get on this journey of truth with you, and I can't believe you waited for me. Thank you so much for being so patient, especially through my teen years. I can't believe the stuff that I did, and I can't believe I'm forgiven for that. You know what I mean? And I'll just sit there, and I'll just begin. No, it doesn't. And I'm, I'm thanking him for the eternal things first, right? until I can't think of anything else to thank him for. And, um, and I can't believe like, I have the word of God. And so like, I'll thank him that like, everything that I need is actually in this word and all the promises that are there are actually in this. And I actually own several copies of the word of God in my home. Like there's like eight or nine. It's almost like, it's crazy, you know? And, and I'll sit there and I'll thank him for what's in the word and I'll thank him for his discipline. I'll thank him for his correction, and I'll go over the roles of the Holy Spirit and that he comforts me, and that he's leading me and guiding me in the truth, and please show me truth today. You know what I mean? Not only that, but you actually chose to live inside of me. I actually have the power of God living in me. When I see somebody who's in need, I can actually stop and I can actually pray for them because I need to remind myself of that. Sometimes I don't always have the awareness of who actually lives in me. And then after that... um, I'll often, uh, there's there's three things that I'll often talk about. I'll talk about what I'm owed. I'm not owed a thing from anybody. Nobody owes me anything. My wife doesn't owe me love. She doesn't owe me honor. My kids don't owe me anything. The congregation doesn't owe me anything. My employees don't owe me anything. I'm owed hell, right? That's how I started off. And I'm not going to receive it because he paid a price for it. Mm -hmm. Then I'll remind myself that I don't own anything. I don't have anything. Like this isn't None of this is mine. I'm stewarding it for a time. But this house, these relationships I have, these are actually God's kids, not my kids. That's God's daughter, more so than my wife. And like I don't own any of this stuff. This is all your stuff, and I can't believe that I get to steward it. The only thing I own is half of a relationship with you, and it's the only thing that matters. And the only thing that's going to last are the good deeds that I do through you, by you, and for you. And I'm hoping that maybe today one of these deeds will be accomplished that will actually withstand your consuming fire, right? And then um, after that, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about what I need from the Lord. And the only thing that I need is his fruits. And I'll tell myself that I have them because the first thing I decided to do today was spend time with you. So I have the very thing that you promised me. I need love, I need joy, I need peace. I need joy. In, in your love, I'll often remind him that I can endure all things, bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, because that's what his love is and I have it. So there's nothing that's gonna take me out of the race today. There's nothing that's gonna slow me down. There's nothing that, that can possibly, there's gonna be no obstacle that your love can't overcome and I have it because I put you first today. It is conditional. Like the fruits of the Spirit are actually conditional. You don't have them because you're a Christian. You have them because you spend time with the Spirit. They're the fruits of the Spirit. Spirit, not the fruits of circumstances, not the fruits of, oh, at our church, we call calling them the fruits of Ron because uh, I'll say, guys, is it the fruits of Ron? And they'll say, no, it's the fruits of the Spirit. And i say, exactly. Because some people think that if their spouse treat them in a certain way, well, then they can finally have joy. Yeah. And that's not true. It's not the fruits of Ron. It's the fruits of the Spirit. And when you spend time with the Spirit, you get to have what you and Him create and you and Him create the fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, uh, goodness, and self-control. So, um, And then I'll open up, and I'll, I'll usually read a chapter out of the Bible. And um, it's often the same chapter. One of the, one of the things that God showed me, because I asked him, I said, how can I be more humble when I read the Word? And he, he, he kind of convicted me about how I try to cruise through the Word. Like I'm trying to like, get through the book of John. Instead of digesting a chapter over and over and over and over again, and by the eighth time that I've read it, my flesh is reeling. And it's saying, you know this. Move on. And if your flesh is reeling, it's because the Spirit's about to do something. And your flesh doesn't want what the Spirit has. And so I've, I've read chapters like um, 17 times and then pop, God will speak. You know, and all of a sudden I'll see something that I never saw before. Like that whole... Um, log in your eye thing. You know how many times I read it before I said, oh my gosh, we all have two eyes and one has a log in it and the other one has a supernatural ability to see what's wrong with everybody else. But it took a long time for that to jump out but I had the humility to read it for a long time without saying, in pride, I know that already. There's nothing new that's going to tell me. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's kind of like what my prayer time looks like and it's most, Not at that time, you know what I mean. So, like, when it comes down to, to down to that, like, usually by the time I'm in work at work, I'll take a little bit of time to pray for situations. Because um, you are you you're, you're full time in the ministry, so you go to the church mm-hmm. and spend and, um, and we'll pray there. And I and I I'm a part of uh, three prayer groups a week too, where we take time to pray for that. Um, so th- th- that's where that stuff mostly gets done. But at, at that morning time, I, I almost never pray for something. I'm almost always praying the truth because I need to know the truth so that I can respond to whatever happens. And then usually later on in the week I'll, I'll be or later on in the day, I'll pray for specific situations. That was very helpful, thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're welcome. No problem. But that's why, like, a lot of times, so let me just say this. I went to, I went to a, um, a retreat, and it was awesome. It was in uh, Colon, and it was, like, a, a really cool resort. And my denomination puts on this, this weekend retreat. Well, they, they, if you pay for one night, they'll pay for one night. And um, it's expensive there. It's, like, $300 to stay at this hotel. But you get two nights, and it's really nice. And they have, uh, I felt like Kevin in Home Alone too. You get these robes and, like, like sandals and stuff, like little... Uh, Fuzzy white, what are those things called? Slippers, Slippers. yeah. And uh, so I'm there, and uh, and I go down there to hear the uh, the speaker speak. He's an awesome guy, but his message, I was like, no, this isn't this isn't right. And the reason why it wasn't right is because it was so circumstantially based. You know what I mean? And again, I feel like a, a lot of times like people are 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 waiting for the circumstance to be right so they can feel right. And it's like, Paul never had the privilege of having something go right. Like he was always being whipped, always being beaten, always going to prison. He's singing songs with Silas in the prison yard. At midnight. At midnight, yeah. You got to remember, he probably was in there for about four or five hours before he finally got around anyway. prison. <laughs> yeah, but like, so... If, if he's able to worship in prison and I'm not in prison, like, what's preventing me from worship? You, you know what I mean? COVID, like, less people in church? Like, you know what I mean? So, like, there's no... I don't have an out not to have the fruits of the Spirit. You, you know what I mean? And I've already determined that in my heart, so it's always, it's always for me, it's like, what's going on here? Not what's going on here? Because if you're looking at here, this isn't, this isn't going to be good to go till we're in heaven, Right? There's always going to be probably something wrong here where there's always going to be tribulation according to Jesus. So I'm just going to keep looking at him and keep trusting that he's going to give me the fruits of the Spirit. You know? And as long as I choose to spend time with him. Now, give me three days without praying. I don't have to learn this lesson again. Okay? And I don't, I don't blame people if you still need to learn it, but it's a lesson worth learning. If I don't pray for three days, I get real snippy. I get real sarcastic and I start cutting people down because that's who I am apart from the Spirit. I'm a real jerk. I know it and I don't want to be that guy. So I can't, I can't afford to not pray because now I'm in a trusted level of leadership where if I don't pray, it looks like something, you know, and it might, it might, it might raise some eyebrows, you know, but I I still can't afford to do it whatsoever. Like, I need to be a new creation. And it's not that I become an old creation. It's that I need to see that I'm a new creation so that I can act like it. And I can't act like a new creation unless I spend time with the one who made me a new creation. And he gives me eyes to see and ears to hear. So this is what I tell people. It's so funny, because I always end up hugging what's ever on the stage. Let's just pretend that this is God, okay? Right? And um, if I'm close to God, I have the fruits of the Spirit, I can see and I can have ears to hear. And I can um, see what his will is and I actually am empowered to do it, okay? But I have to choose to be here. I'm not automatically here. I have to choose to be close to him. I have to humble myself. I have to decide that I'm going to be devoted. I have to put him first. But if I decide not to do those things, like I have revelation that's in my heart that is very real, but I don't know it, It's only here because it's his revelation and I happen to be close to him. If I do this and I let go and I decide that I don't need to be close to him, the revelation stays with him. I might be able to quote it, but I can't see it. The fruits of the Spirit stay with him. I don't get to take this stuff with me apart from him. And the reason why he did that is because he wants me to be close to him. So all the good things are with him and he did that on purpose so that I might be close to him because he wants me to be. But have you guys ever, like, saw someone who was mature and then all of a sudden they started to act immature and they were like a mentor or something? It was their prayer life. And the things that they were able to see was because they were close to God, but then they decided to make decisions in which they weren't going to be close to God and the revelation they had left them and stayed with God. And it's good that it does that so that you might return to be able to see what you once did. Does this make sense to you guys? So everything that is good is with him. And if I, I, I can, I've done this many times, I've learned this lesson many times, I've decided, no, I'm okay, I get it. I can see. And it's like, all of a sudden he's not a priority and all of a sudden I start ending up acting like an idiot. Because I can't see apart from him. I can't even like, make sense apart from him. Like I, like I know who I am and what I did before I was a pastor. You know what I mean? And I, I, I'm like a... Um, Like everything that anything that's impressive isn't because I'm impressive. I mean, I don't have an identity issue either. I I know who I am apart from the Lord, and any wisdom that I have is His. It's not mine. And if I don't hang out with Him, I don't get to keep it. Because wisdom wisdom is is knowledge that is activated. It's active knowledge. Now I might act like I still know it, but I won't be able to do it. I might know what identity in Christ is, but I won't be able to show it. I could even teach a sermon on it but not be able to pull it off in my own home and actually get offended with my wife because she didn't treat me right. It's like, what? You know what I mean? You just got done preaching on identity. How are you offended? Well, because I'm not close to the Lord. Because when I'm close to Him, I can't be offended. I just feel compassion for people because people, now you got me preaching. People are only doing as well as their prayer life. If someone's acting like a jerk, it's because they're not close to God. Why would that ever offend you personally? They're only reflecting this. Everyone is constantly reflecting this, or they're reflecting this. If someone's not being loving, it's because they're not close to the one who is love. So why would you ever put that on personally? As if it's a personal thing. It's never personal. You know what, Jesus, when he said this, this is really cool, he said, if they hated you, it's because they hate me. It's not a personal problem with you, it's a personal problem with him. So I never take it personally, ever. Like people could come up to me and say, "You know what? I really." That's rule number one: to be a pastor is you can never be offended. Yeah, be- because to be offended is only to show that I'm not doing good either. Right. Now all of a sudden, like I'm revealing my cards that there's a place for me to be closer to him because now I'm putting on what you did personally, and it's like, well, no, like there's a place, and and but then there's also the process where you're like, well, I think I am close to him, and I'm kind of hurt, and it's like well, then there must be a place to be closer. And he's calling you to be closer. So be closer to him. And then sometimes what you're doing in this season isn't enough for next season, you know? So, yeah, I mean, so he's probably calling you higher, you know? But that's how, that's just kind of, that's how I viewed it. And like Tim knows my story and what, like I walked through, you know, and um, I, I don't have a single chip on my shoulder gotta at least give the three paragraph version well I, I was I belonged to a church the, the head pastor that was there the church that I was a youth pastor at the head pastor there committed adultery after he committed adultery I didn't really tell you this he blamed me for what happened and the church for what happened and told people that I was trying to get him out and his um, his wife came and, and, and beat the snot out of our preschool sign with a bat I watched her do it from the From the window. Beat Beat our preschool sign with a bat. You know what I mean? The sign. Yeah, the sign. No, the sign. And um, uh, said things about me on Facebook, you know, and uh, attacked my wife. You know, she's a sweetheart. And like, so they were actively trying to get me to be angry towards them, and they were only doing as good as their prayer life, you know? And so then I took over a church, and the Holy Spirit came, and you guys know Brian Connolly, and he did an impartation service. It was powerful, it was awesome. And then people left because the Holy Spirit came. And then people left because that head pastor committed suicide. You know? And then a bunch of crazy people came showed up because the Holy Spirit was moving. Who were only interested in the Holy Spirit moving and not interested in community. Right? And you guys will probably experience you what? Or holiness. Yeah, or holiness. They wanted the emotion of the spirit, but not the the growth. That could come with it. And like... a lot of compassion for people that really do want... They want the
1: holiness. Yeah.
0: They, they, yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, that's good. Yeah, and I, and I remember... like I'll, I'll tell you this cool story because God is so good. And forgive me if I've already shared it. When I was a youth pastor, I took everybody into a, a room, a side room. I shared the, the... And I wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit either when I did this. But I had experienced personally God calling me into ministry so I knew God could talk to people. And I said, hey, guys, um, when, uh, when Gideon was approached by the angel, he called Gideon a young warrior. And in Revelation, it talks about how our true name is written on a white stone. And I said, I wonder if we were to just take the time and a moment and just pray if, if we could actually hear what God calls us. And I think he has a nickname for every one of us. And I said, is anybody interested in hearing that nickname? And um, so, oh gosh, I'm going to start crying. But uh, So we go into this room and we're sitting there and like we have a candle that's lit and people have a piece of paper, a small piece of paper and a pencil to write down if they hear God say what their nickname in heaven is. Or I think that's how I put it. And we had a, a girl with special needs in there. Her name was Carolyn. She was so sweet. And um, she, was, she had the, uh, the mind of an eight-year-old and she was about 18 years old. And when she would see me, she'd go, Hello! Like that. Nobody, like she should have been on the greeting team. Like nobody gave you a better greeting than Carolyn did. And uh, she would get so excited to hear your voice because she couldn't see you. But she would hear your voice and show more joy than your mom does, you know? And um, she's sitting in the room and she cries out, He calls me friend! Like that. And I was like, Whoa! You know what I mean? I'm like, That's her nickname, friend. And, like, it was after, like, two minutes of silence, right? And, um, and then all of a sudden, like, pop, people started to hear. Like, that built faith in the room before I knew you could build faith in the room, right? And then all of a sudden, I heard the Lord say um, to me, I call you Responsible One. That, that was my nickname, was Responsible One. And I started bawling because, like, my whole life I was called irresponsible, you know what I mean? But the Lord calls me a responsible one. And I grew up with a dad that was like maybe a like a very detail oriented and a neat, neat freak. And like, I was like, I, I could never remember to turn off the lights. You, you know what I mean? And he was always telling me, when are you going to, be, when are you going to stop being so irresponsible? Right? And um, so I grew up hearing that irresponsible word every day. It was kind of beat into me. And I love my dad. I don't have any issue with my dad. He's awesome. He taught me to never complain. I've never heard him complain. I don't even know how to complain. But um, he, I was in that room, and I heard that I call you responsible one. And um, so anything, when everything happened with Bob, I got in the car. And I'm sure you guys know what the enemy sounds like. But I didn't know the enemy sounded like anything because I didn't know the enemy could speak. And the enemy came into the car and said this, everything's falling apart, and you're at the helm. How does it feel to be sinking with the ship? And you're not going to have a job, and you're going to have to go home and tell your wife that you're not going to have a job here, and you just bought a house. Whack, 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 whack." right? And I said, God, and I said this out loud, I said, is there anything that you want to say to me? And I said that right in the middle when Satan was talking. You know what he said to me? And this is like four years later. He says, I call you responsible one, and I'm going to put you in charge of many things, and now you're in charge of this church. And I just started bawling. You you know what I mean? Because, again, I know who I am apart from the Lord, and I shouldn't even have kids. You you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I'm a pretty dangerous person. So, like, the fact that he did that, and then he told me that, I was fine after that. Nothing got under my skin because I knew... That I, he had put me in charge, and I'm, I'm like, believe me, I'm like nothing special, but like, he knew what I needed to hear to overcome right. what the right. devil was trying to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, um, God's really cool, yeah, yeah. and um, uh, I mean, growing you up, know that. You know that. oh, yeah, you know it doesn't change, mm-hmm. like, you know that you change. yeah, and I, I don't, and again, like, all the lessons that I've learned. I don't, know what I, have, I don't know what I would have done without a church body because everything that I've, like, that I've learned, I had to see somebody else do before I could believe I could have it. You know what I mean? And I have such cool people at my church. There are, there are people that like, nothing bothers them and it gave me the faith to believe that nothing could bother me too. You know what I mean? And that's what I love about a body. That's why I think church is so important is because you can look around and see what people have and understand that they have that in the kingdom. And if they have it in the kingdom, it's available to me, too. You know. And so I, I, I love the body of Christ. I love the local church. I love seeing people's lives and people's faith and, and even giving the chance to be able to shepherd people and oversee them and, and teach them and, and lead them. It's just an awesome privilege. To be here is an awesome privilege. Like this was, this was, this was, this was um, um, awesome to see you guys come out two nights in a row. Like that's not easy to do. But you guys must like really care, you know, about like what you're doing here and, and what God and I actually believe that God is gonna want to do more. Yeah. You know, so like I, I'm excited for you guys. All right? Thank you. Hey, you're welcome. You're welcome. Let's pray. So Father, I, I just I bless, bless Gateway Church right now. I bless the leadership team. I bless them with a an ability to see what's possible and also the ability to see what it is that, that you want to do. And I pray, Lord, that there'd be willing hearts and that that people in here would be able to have the diligence in their life to want to take leadership seriously so that the people of this church could be led into a place of serving. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, bless you guys.